Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey everyone, welcome to Absurdity. I am joined today by Tony, as always, but uh, this time I'm out of town, so uh, I apologize if, if any quality is a little bit different today, but we're going to get through it together, I promise. Tony, how's it going, man? Uh, it's good. It's good. The semester's starting to wrap up, so it's kind of that that time where it's like, haha, a lot of things are due, a lot of things are due. But um, this semester, more than any, I've kind of kept up, which is nice. Um, yeah, so it, it, the panic isn't quite there as much as it has been other semesters. I mean, I'm taking Greek, so there's still that panic there, but it's not as much I, as other. I feel like I remember this last semester, and you were like freaking out. So I'm. I think that, like that's actually there's podcast yeah. evidence of you freaking out about yeah, like, it somewhere along those lines. <laughs> somewhere just ah, what was I thinking? Yeah. So now it's just <laughs> Why like did I, I, do this to myself? I got I got a few things. I think the the biggest one I have right now is I have to do a five page rough draft, um, like today or tomorrow, and then a, a ten page actual finished product by two weeks from now, two Thursdays from now, something like that. Well, that's not bad. Yeah, it is bad. So it's like, eh, that's the biggest thing I need to do. Yeah, that's like a page a day. You knock that out, you're good. Yeah, it's it's Solid. not a, it's not a problem. You're not gonna do a page a day, but that's what the math works out to. I mean, if I get the the rough draft in of five, like the biggest thing is get the outline. If I can get the outline down and then just do the like five pages of the rough draft, then it's like I'm fine, yeah. and I can do that okay. today. Well, I uh, I am in Charlotte, North Carolina, right now. And I have been traveling since 2 a.m. And this weekend, I spent the weekend in Orlando. And I happened to visit friends and family who all own cats. And then I made the mistake, uh, and so my allergies came back with a vengeance. And then I made the mistake of this morning traveling wearing the same jeans that I was wearing when I was around said cats. And now, like, so from 2 a.m. to, yeah, about 1.30 in the afternoon uh, <laughs> today... I've been just in allergy hell. Uh, what did we learn, Ryan? What I'm pretty sure learn? everyone in the airport was like trying to just completely avoid me to get away from like, because my nose was just running nonstop and like I would sneeze every little bit. And so it looked like I was like really sick, but there's nothing like I don't have anything. It's just allergies and it's terrible and I hate everything. Um, so, oh, well, my, oh, oh well, lesson like, learned. It's weird because I don't know if Michigan just doesn't have a lot of allergies in this area. But mine have been fine. I mean, knock on wood. But like, no, literally, I don't think mine Michigan have been is that bad. Yeah, it, they've been fine this whole spring, which is weird because normally I'm like, I have that to bat. But like now, I'm, I yeah. Hold on, I gotta knock. Hold on. All right, I actually knocked on wood, so now we're good. 
I thought you were like, I got to knock at the door. Hold on. And I was like, I was ready to stop the recording. Nope. That um, was me. I was so the I was the knocking. Yeah. I am well, the one who knocks. I am the ding oh dang diddly danger. I uh, I remember when I was when I did a red eye flight to Brazil for a mission trip. I was I had a hoodie that I used. At, I was sitting in the middle seat of an eight hour red eye flight, and I used my hoodie as a pillow, and on the tray table, and not realizing that I had just spent the evening prior over at someone's house who had cats, and so I had put my face for eight hours asleep or not you know in and out of that sleep in a. F- in a jacket or hoodie full of cat hair and dander. And uh, let's just say when I got when I went through customs in Brazil, I was very concerned that they wouldn't <laughs> like they wouldn't let me in because they thought I was gonna bring some like weird disease in. Dude, how has this happened again? Because you did the same thing when you went down to Florida, didn't you? Or on your way back yeah. or something like that? On the way back, yeah. I it just happens. Like I don't just... think I it just happens. Now that I'm away from cats most of the time, like, I don't think about it. Like, I, I could excuse like, this one. Yeah, like, I could excuse this because it's like, all right, well, what are the chances? But I'm like, dude, you you know that you're was years ago. Yeah, but this, but this happens years and years, like, this happened years and years apart. Like, I just forget. It is what it is. I'm going to need you to stop giving me a hard time. That's what I'm going to need. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I am the one who runs this podcast. Um so uh, just a quick couple things before we jump into today's episode. Uh, the first thing is this. Uh, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. So uh, if you are interested in financially supporting us, every dollar goes back into helping this podcast uh, remain successful and grow. Uh, and uh, so it goes to things like paying for equipment and paying our social media manager, things like that. So if you're interested, patreon.com slash absurdity podcast, there's a link in the show notes as well. Uh, any uh, any donation level, it works like Kickstarter, just like on a monthly donation basis. Uh, and any tier gets ad-free episodes every week, and they get them early. And every uh, every tier that's at $5 or more gets a bonus episode per month. So, uh, And that will probably increase soon as far as not the price amount, but like the number of episodes that we release in a month for uh, for Patreon for patrons only. So, uh, there's that. The other thing that I want to let you know is we are, we are coming up close. There's one week left on our gift card, uh, our gift card giveaway. We're giving away a $50 Amazon gift card, uh, to uh, a random person who review, who leaves a review on the podcast. So if you don't just rate it on iTunes, but if you actually rate it and leave a review, that way I can know who did it. I uh, will be announcing that, um, just after April 15. So, uh, just know that anyone who has already left a review is, is automatically entered. Um, and anyone who is, there's only 33 reviews right now. So it's super easy to get in on this with high chances of winning. So this is your last week. Get them in for a $50 Amazon gift card delivered to you by yours truly. All right, Tony, it is time to have the conversation that I'm surprised we actually haven't had yet. Dum, but dum, dum, dum. I was sitting with a friend of, actually a mutual friend of ours. Uh, we were at a restaurant in Ottawa, and he we, we started talking about denominational lines and uh, kind of differences between denominations, what yeah. is so important about them, that kind of thing. So uh, I was like, man, I don't know why we haven't done this yet. I, I, I thought we had, and then I looked and I realized like, man, we have not had this conversation at all. And I know that we have... Uh, we have several different denominations that listen. Like, I know that the core of our listeners, are, of our audience, is Adventist. I fully am aware of that. That's my kind of that's my sphere of influence. That's your sphere of influence. But uh, I want I want to talk about denominations today. And this isn't the kind of talk where we're like uh, Southern Baptists are the worst, or Adventists are the worst, or um, Catholics are the worst. Whatever. Like, uh, it's not that kind of denominational talk. Uh, I think what we're gonna trying to be talking about today is understanding why there are denominations, uh, trying to figure out, like, is it a good thing or a bad thing that we have them? Not that there are specific ones, but just the idea of denominations as a whole. Uh, I think that's what our focus is really going to be. So I think uh, the first thing that I want to start off and is uh, ask, is just from the framework of where we're coming from, like we always do. So, uh, Tony, what denomination are we and why? Why are why why are you the denomination? Well, I was going to say why are uh, why, why, yeah, why are we? Are I don't know. Yeah, I need you um, to tell me why I am Adventist. Well, there are a few options. Um, 
So we are Seventh-day Adventist. Um, one is questionable because of uh, the current climate uh, that he's in. Um, and I don't want to get too political or anything, but a seminarian is barely Adventist. Let's just let's just state that. I am in the Adventist church almost. Um, I am in so deep. I feel like the Serpico of Adventism right now. Um, <laughs> Wait, uh, just just to be clear, you're not you don't run the website barely Adventist. You're no, saying no. You I'm just saying are, like purely. I am you just are barely, barely Adventist. Adventist at the moment. Um, because here's the reality: is like for 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 a seminarian, and for me, I, I think this is why I stay Adventist, but. For a seminarian, you begin studying things so much and and not having to be critical necessarily, but critical in the sense of like you have to figure out how and why we got where we're at that a lot of seminarians end up leaving the ministry because mm. you just have to review like, all right, well, this is why we do this so much and this is why we do this and historically this is why we do this, this and that. And you're just kind of like, oh, so that doesn't, that's, ah. And if you haven't grown up kind of knowing the history of Adventism or like really having your beliefs set, it can be very disconcerting. So for me, it's like, I'm an Adventist kind of like everything about it right now is kind of muddled. Um, and that's not to say that the seminary is sitting here being like, don't be Adventist. Like that's not at all what they're doing. Um, but just the effect is that when you study so much about something, you can't really be in it. And, um, so yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm an Adventist ish at the moment, uh, well, cause I'm just, I, I'm like, I have to kind of get out of it to study it a little bit. You know what I mean? I guess. I think there's also an element of like, when you see behind the curtain, uh, and you're seeing yeah. behind the curtain of like, uh, all of history, not just like, not just behind the curtain of like general leadership now, yeah. which is something that you're well versed in, but it's just general adventism all the like down yeah like everything and and yeah. i will say for me at least um i've always kind of known about all that side like i grew up very informed my parents were very informed about all that and and um and then also growing up with my dad being in administration and being a pastor like i i very much saw behind the curtain a lot so it didn't shock me it didn't like I'm not leaving anytime soon, but for me, the reason why I'm still in is actually was presented by one of these, these kind of step outside moments where we were studying um, hermeneutics, which for those of you who don't understand um, that really big fancy word just basically means how you read the Bible. It's literally how you interpret the Bible. Yep. Um, and so it's like the lens because we all come into everything we do in life we read through a lens, right? And especially with the Bible, especially with something that has instructions for life. And so hermeneutics is the lens that you read the Bible with. And so for Seventh-day Adventists, for me, that is probably the reason why I stay Adventist is I, I just totally believe our hermeneutic is different from everyone, anyone else. Um, outside of some non-denominational churches um, who've done a very, very good job of doing the exact same thing, I think practically if not uh dogmatically if that makes sense um yeah. they read they let the bible interpret itself and i've seen a lot of non-denominational pastors do this sometimes it can get a little bit wacky when you do that um but you let essentially you say all right well what is especially for systematic theology, you know, what, what is the answer for, you know, uh, uh, marriage and divorce, right? And then you just let the Bible tell you what it says contextually, um, directly, thematically, and you study all upon that. And so um, to me, the way that the Adventist Church does that is just better than everyone else. Everyone else is, you know, from the major religions, um, they do so either reacting to Neoplatonism, which is the rebirth of Platonic thought. Uh, Plato's the, the famous Greek philosopher. In, during the Roman era, a lot of people started bringing him back. Um, and that is actually the majority of people. That's actually how they either interpret their Bible as a direct response to that or as um, 
a, a direct kind of uh, uh, inheritance of that, um, which is where you get kind of this idea of two, the, the soul and the body are separate. Um, the body is bad and must be punished, um, and the soul is good and pure and must be refined. Um, a lot of these very non-biblical concepts and precepts you get from Neoplatonic thought. And that's the, one of the reasons why I like um, Seventh-day Adventism is because we don't, if the Bible tells us that something is, is wrong or it isn't in the Bible, we don't believe it. We're not supposed to, anyway. I think sometimes we do. And so for me, I think that's the best time. Uh, I think the best far, way for me. As far as an official stance, we usually don't believe it. But like practically yeah. speaking, practically some people it. really do. Yeah. yeah. But I, officially we don't. And I appreciate that because you can also then continue to learn and understand. Right. Like yeah. I, we don't have a problem saying, oh, we were wrong on this. And we haven't historically. Yeah. Um, recently, we've had a bit of an issue with that. But that's another. That's not yeah. the purpose of this. For me, that's why. No. I'm a gotcha. Seventh-day Adventist, um, is it, it paints the best picture for me to be able to understand who God is. Um, yeah. And, f- and, and you know, there are other, re- you know, the, the whole, oh, we're the remnant kind of a thing. Um, I don't agree, actually, with that statement. I think the remnant's bigger than just us. I think we have an end times message. Yeah. I think our, our um, <clears throat> I won't use the big words. I'll just... Our end times understanding, I think, is very uh, up to date, but it all stems from our ability to re- just read the Bible and just say, what is the Bible actually yeah. trying to tell us? I think, um, yeah, I would agree with you on the remnant thing. I think the way that we we teach it is flawed. I don't think the idea itself, like the core idea of a, of the remnant is flawed. Like, I think it'd be more accurate to say that the uh, that Seventh-day Adventists are a part of the remnant, but I, I don't like saying that we are the, the true remnant church. Um, so I can agree with that. But yeah, so we are Seventh-day Adventists. I am one as well. Uh, and honestly, I'm here because I believe what we teach. Um, I believe most of what we teach, uh, if not uh, pretty much all of it. I have some like minor disagreements here and there, but nothing core enough or nothing big enough that would drive me out or put me in any sort of like um, any sort of bad standing with the church or poor standing with, with the denomination. Uh, but I do have some differences. I have some things I wish we would do differently. Um, but Overall, I, I'm here because I believe it. And if I just stopped calling myself Adventist, uh, I would still believe everything I believed. So I'd still functionally be an Adventist, you know. Um, but uh, I I will say uh, I believe what we believe, but I'm not exactly a fan of a lot of our Adventist culture. Uh, I won't say all of it because I think by definition of me being an Adventist, I'm participating in Adventist culture and a part of creating a certain brand or space of it. Absolutely, I occupy a certain space of it. But there's some brands of Adventism that I'm just not a fan of, and I think you can find that in any denomination. But that gives you some sort of framework uh, for who we are and where, we, where we're at. If you have never known or have always been curious, there you go. Um, neither of us hate the church by any stretch or, or, or anything like that. Um, and in fact, anytime you can go back and listen to this podcast and find out that anytime we've spoken about church politics, uh, anything like that, we've always painted the solution as being more involved to create positive change instead of uh, leaving the church. So um, we are big fans of the denomination we're in. So uh, now let me ask you, uh, Tony, I think this is the next place I want to go here. Um, what value do you think, or is there, what value is there in identifying with a denomination, or is there any value? It could be that there's none, but I'm curious, like, I think this is a good place to kind of start the next part of this. Like, what value is there in identifying with a denomination? Um, man, that's a, whew. I'm going to summarize, because I have a longer thought process and explanation that I've actually uh, used with friends before. Um, And I'm going to summarize it in this way. Um, So this is kind of my summary to that, my short answer to that very long question. Um, The value in identifying with a denomination I believe is because it was well, threefold to me. The first one is that we were built 
Christianity was built upon the premise of a community, right? Um, <clears throat> if you look at Jesus multiple times in the Gospels, he says, um, I brought you all together, stay together, be together, love one another. Um, you know, when he sent them out, he sent them out two by two at a minimum because he goes, you need to have each other. Um, someone needs to have your back. Uh, you know, he said, I hope you guys stay together, you know, just multiple, multiple times. Then you have the examples that the disciples set, the apostles and Paul, um, of creating churches and bring them together and having councils. So, so you have Jesus saying it directly. You have tradition, you have Paul and, and Peter and John and James all saying it directly, um, or at least inferring in some cases that it were meant to have a, a, a structure, a family. And then I think there's also the practicality of it, which is that you can do so much more together. The sum, um, the total sum is so much greater than the individual parts. Uh, and, and so that's the first benefit, right? Is that you are, uh, you be, you, you're, you're following something that's built in. Um, I think the idea of a monastery or a monk or someone out in the, and then it's just, it's not meant to be that way. You know, um, I, I remember, well, I, I, yeah. All right. So the number one, that's the first one. The second reason why I think it's important for us or it's good, uh, to identify with a denomination is, uh, it gives you a perspective outside of yourself, right? So it's built, we're built, Christianity is built to have that. And then it also gives you perspective, right? If I don't have people who disagree with me, I will totally go into left field, right? I, I to a degree, would probably stay with where I'm at. But here's the thing, when and we don't realize this a lot of times, um, the Bible is true and doesn't change, but my interpretation of that can be can go crazy unless I have someone there to check me. And I'm very fortunate that I have friends in my life, and Becker, you happen to be one of them, where if I'm about to make a big, big decision or if I feel like I'm coming to an understanding, I will call you guys up, protection, and be like, hey, this is kind of happening. Like, what do you think? And, I'm, and I trust that those friends that I have, um, people that I consider to be family, are going to, you know, sit there and go, look, fam, this ain't it. Like, I love you, but no, <laughs> you know, this is crazy. Um, and that level of accountability, um, theologically, spiritually, um, uh, uh, ethically, morally, all of that comes together so that if I'm doing something that's wrong, um, or if I'm if I'm going somewhere, or if I seem to be kind of wrapped up in my own head, I can I can go to these other people who who also have this perspective, um, who differ from me, um, and I think that that's a, another great thing about a denomination, right? Um, Beyond that, I think the third reason that it's great to identify with a denomination is it's, I think it's important for us to have a spiritual identity apart from simply Christianity. Um, now, I think that personally, all right, so this is, this is where it is going to get a little I'm going to see it from my bias, right? Because my bias is an Adventist bias. Um, I always want to go to the place that I believe is is the most correct, right? So my identity as a Christian um, mostly lies in the Seventh Adventist Church. I say mostly because, again, right now I'm kind of stepping back from being active in it and being like a, an active participant member to... Um, kind of study and look and observe and, and create my own understanding of it. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, this is where I'm found. And while I'm not the most traditional of Adventists, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that. Um, I think theologically, I'm, I'm super conservative. Um, I believe in a literal creation. I believe that the Bible is real. I believe that Jesus really was there. All the major creeds. Um, 
And so to me, to be able to have that identity and say, these are the things that I believe right off the bat, it helps me have that identity. It helps structure my life in such a way that I'm able to live in a healthy, um, upright manner, shall we say, without having investigated all the things. Because up until this point in my life, and I would say even mostly in undergrad, um, they're also teaching you more practicalities than theology itself. Um, but here at the seminary, I'm getting a ton of theology. So I really am getting into, you know, uh, say our 28 fundamentals, like what we actually believe and why we do all this kind of stuff. And I've never really done that until that point, and I'm 29 now. So most people don't ever get there, right? Most people don't ever get to the point where they have to or are able to study every single thing of what we believe um, in a concentrated manner. And so for that, for that reason, it's good to have a place that says, hey, this is what we believe. This is, we believe, kind of the best way the Bible tells us to live your life um, so that you can have that identity and you can go about your life in a very practical way um, and then study as time goes by for yourself. Okay, like for Adventists, you have the Sabbath, right? I can continue to study. What does it mean to actually observe the Sabbath and understand the Sabbath and have the Sabbath rest? Um, for, uh, you know, uh, you also have, I guess, the resurrection, right? The death uh, 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 question and uh, death understanding, the state of the dead. Um, you also have resurrection, the the nature of Christ, the humanity of Christ, the divinity of Christ, um, salvation, right? You have all, you know, that fun stuff. So all of these things takes time to study unless you literally take three years, which is what I'm doing out of your life to just sit and go, all right, this is what I'm, I'm looking at. Um, to have a denomination means I can just go about actually living my life. And I don't have to go through and deeply say like Paul or me or somebody else. Other people have studied for me, and I can now take my time. I can live feeling comf uh, 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 safe that I'm following to the best of my knowledge because they have gone through and done the, that major stuff for me. Now I can go back and review, okay, is this correct or not? Uh, yeah. So those are the three well, things. And I think we're, we're, we're built for community. We're built to have that. It gives you um, a perspective outside of your own, right? Because you, you don't end up doing the navel gazing, right, where I'm just staring, you know, and, and I end up, it means we need to, you know, grab snakes and shove them in your eyeballs. Um, and then it also provides me a, a practical way to, like an identity to be able to live my life going forward and study, you know, discover it on my own time. I, I don't know. I, I think that last part, it, it can be misconstrued. Like my, my first question is like, do I really need a denomination for that? But I think what you've said is, is like, I could keep studying the Bible regardless of like if I'm non-denominational, if I just pick up a Bible. But I think what you touched on is that a denomination gives you a trajectory to study. Uh, yeah, exactly. Made, it gives you a it gives you a a theological starting point that you can jump from. Yeah, and I, I think uh, it's not an excuse to be lazy. It's literally just like yeah, this 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 I can be confident that people smarter than me have done it, and the average layperson does not have the time if they're an accountant, if they're whatever, to go in and learn Hebrew and Greek and learn hermeneutics, learn church history and all yeah, that systematic jazz. Systematic theology, the full, yeah. Yeah, all of that, like to get the full, under, full, full understanding of it. So uh, at best, a lot of church members or most church members will probably just have a cursory understanding of, of deep theology. And that's okay. Like that's, and, that's and totally fine. Not everyone's called to be a systematic theologian. Not everyone's called yes. to be a language guy or an old Testament scholar, you know, um, nobody is, I, I've, I have not met one person who is the master of all Greg, Dr. King was close. Greg King was close at Southern. Um, he, he knew a lot. That dude was a brain. Um, but outside of, you know, a few very select individuals that knew a lot about a lot of things. And I would argue that he's, you know, still mostly an old Testament guy. Um, even with all of that, I, I've not met somebody who was the master of all things outside of God and Jesus and, and maybe, you know, Paul. Um, so so it even if even if you had the time and energy and just and, you know. Uh, uh, motivation, I guess, to to study these things as a layperson, 
you can't be an expert in all of them. And so I think that's exactly what it is. It, as a denomination, you now have a starting point to be able to say, okay, these people have studied and said this. I'm going to live my life this way and now be able to study that and say, okay, they were, you know, I agree with this. I don't agree with this part. I think versus versus uh, when you're on your yeah. own, if you weren't right, like look, look at that flip side. If you weren't, um, I could I could go out and be murdering people. Like it would it would take a long, long time for me to be able to get to the point where and I'm not saying that God wouldn't forgive that, you know, let's say someone, you know, out of the blue, you know, in a country that's never heard of Christianity before, um, finds a Bible and reads the gospel and decides to follow Jesus. That's not to say that they won't eventually figure it all out, but it is much harder. Right, your yeah. identity as a Christian is is much more difficult um, to establish. To establish, and it'll take a lot more time. And 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 my argument from a practical standpoint is, I believe that the Bible, the 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 Bible gives you a way to live your life with the least amount of pain, right? Um, the least amount of regrets, the least amount of scars. If you live your life according to the to the to the principles and the guidelines that the Bible says, I really truly do believe. And so other people studying ahead of you saying, hey, these are the potholes in the road. This is why we believe this. This is why we believe this, because this will eventually lead to this, this, and this. It helps you avoid those potholes, right, from a very practical standpoint, so that you don't have to, as you're trying to figure everything out, um, you know, also study a map, also, you know, drive a car, you can just say, all right, I'm going to drive the car or I'm going to study the map or I'm going to do all this and, and kind of trust that these other people have done that for you. Yeah, I think, so there's, there's one thing I kind of, I agree with you on, but I disagree with the word choice. Um, but I, I agree do with always overall, play the semantic game. I do. Well, because it's actually coming later in our episode too, but I'm just going to skip to it now, which is, uh, the, I think, I think the pitfall we fall into with denominations is I, I think we do let I, I think a, a problem is that we let our identity be defined by our denomination rather than our faith as a whole. And I, the way that I see denominations is I see denominations as categorization within faith. And so I think what denominations do is along the lines of your community point and identity point is they give us a framework through which we can establish common ground with other people. Like, if you come up to me and tell me, hey, I'm Seventh-day Adventist, that tells me that there's probably some key things that you and I agree on somewhere. There's probably going to be some common ground somewhere. Uh, that the, Or it gives me a framework for language to understand where you are. If you tell me you're Southern Baptist, cool, I kind of know in general what direction you're coming from. And it's not meant to be presumptuous of who you are. It's meant to be a way to... Uh, to begin understanding who you are. It's meant to be a starting place in my mind. So I, I, I don't like, this is me personally, it's not like I'm attacking you for, for saying it that way. I'm going to um, take it this I, way. I'm going to take good. it that way, though, but uh, go ahead. No, I, I, it's, I personally don't like saying I, like for me, I identify as a Christian, and that category of Christian I am is Adventist. That's the way that I view that. Um and I think that my identity is more wrapped up in my belief in Christ than the specific uh, lens I view the Bible through or view beliefs through. Um, and I get that there's a there's a little bit of overlap there. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, I think I mean, that helps me. Yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, you're fine. No, no, no. I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, I just, I just, I, you know, I think this is a cart horse situation where it's like, you're saying the horse is important. I'm saying the card is important, and I think they're. I think they both are. Because to me, like, what kind of Christ are you identifying with, right? Like, that's the lens is what determines what kind of. That's Christian, what I'm saying. I, yeah. Yeah. Because there's overlap for, for, for sure. a Mormon. A Mormon say I'm a Christian. I would disagree with that. Um, but they, they, they consider themselves to be Christian, right? And I'm not knocking any Mormons. I'm just saying my the way that I understand the Bible. I'm like, oh well, that's your. I don't know. I don't know what dude you're worshiping, but it's not the Jesus that comes from the Bible. And they would say it isn't. It's this and this and this and this, right? And so to me, it's I would just put more emphasis on the lens. But I totally get where you're coming from because it's like, yeah, no, my identity 
I, I, you know, I'm a Christian. That's the best way to describe it. If someone were to come up, if someone from Mars were to come up and be like, what are you? I'd be like, I'm, you know, a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. You know, that's who I am. Um, yeah. So I, I, I see what you're saying. I, th- I think we're just saying cart horse kind of thing. Yeah, but I, like I think there are some Adventists that also don't view the same Jesus. That well, no, <laughs> that I would, we yeah, do. that's Does, true. Like that is also true. Uh, I, I think there are people within denominations that do the same. But I think in general, the the reason I don't like using it as my identity is because if the denomination does something, um, if the denomination does something that I don't agree with or that I that I wrestle with, right? If it brings me to a breaking point, but it's my identity, then I'm much less willing to to like. I'm not saying I want to walk away from Adventism. I'm not saying that I just want to leave a a, a doorstop in the door, a foot in the door so I can leave. Um, It's not that. It's simply like I don't want my identity to be wrapped up in a denomination. I want my identity to be wrapped up in kind of what I believe or, you know, who I believe in. Yeah, but that I I I mean, that's like if if I mean, I have friends that are like, oh, well, I won't identify with a political party because I don't agree with everything that political party says. I don't think anyone, uh, maybe maybe some on one particular end, but I don't think anyone, <laughs> for the most part, agrees with everything their party does. Um, no, and and that's no, no. I'm not saying that. You, but they're you still able to say, well, I agree with, with like eighty percent, so that's why I I tend to vote this way. I register this way because I can have more say if if I do do that. So I mean I I I, I could see that too. I mean I'm willing to concede your point. I just I just think if 85% of what I believe is what it it aligns with I don't know, whatever, uh Shintoism, but I call myself a Seventh-day Adventist, well realistically that's I mean I can call myself whatever I want. But it's well, it's actually how that... I live my life. I, you know what I mean? It's like it's actually yeah. cuz cuz it's like well, I don't if again if at and the flip side, if eighty five percent of what I believe is Seventh Day Adventism, but they do something I don't like, and so I'm like, well, then screw them. I mean, really? So for fifteen percent, you know, which could be something like, like, I mean, I don't even think I agree with fifteen percent. Like I'd say, I think it's even more like seventy five twenty five because it's like I'm not a really big fan of how we do certain things traditionally. You know what I mean? Culturally, but at the same time, it's like, all right, but the vast majority of what I do believe comes from the seventh Adventist tradition and culture. So I'm going to identify that way. But I think, I I, think, I, I think I, I see your point, which is, is, is important to also keep in mind because if we, if we attach ourselves too much to an organization and a symbol, it can, you can kind of like, you can very easily, and I hate to use this analogy, but like Nazi party your way, into gassing Jews and be like, well, I mean, Hitler told us to, so I guess we're going to got to put the Zyklon B in the whatever, because this is what we're doing. I I think, I I think I have a way that I want to put this actually. Um, Go for it. I think the way, I think the way that I would put this is, uh, and and, and this is, this is kind of the linchpin for me is uh, I can't be Adventist without being a Christian, but I can be Christian without being an Adventist. If you took Adventism away, I would still, the core of who I am would still be Christian. But if you took Christianity away, I literally couldn't be Adventist anymore, because, like, because Adventist is a subgroup within Christianity. So for I me, I think that, that's yeah. where I think my identity—I want my identity to lie more at the core of what I believe, rather than the label, if that makes sense. If, I, if and you, I get that it's semantics yeah. to some extent. Like, but fully no, understand I, I, I get what you're saying because, like, if you take away the R Adventist subreddit. You're still you can still visit Reddit, but if you take away Reddit, there is no subreddit. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good. So I think we're on the same page there. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I got you. It's, I, it's, I, I, yeah, I can see it's, that. And that's what, like I don't think you're wrong. I just think it, it's a semantics thing, and I think that and I think some people don't have a proper understanding of identity versus category, and or you know I think you when you say that you identify or it's a big part of your identity, I think. I think you are saying what I'm saying. You're just using different words. I think but that's I think it. There are because, others. Yeah. Because ultimately it's our belief that identify who we are. You yeah. know what I mean? Like all of us. And I think that's another, yeah. another part of being a Seventh-day Adventist. It kind of brings out that individualism because we're meant to all, our, our, our particular denomination is built on understanding the Bible for yourself. 
right? Yes. Like coming to your own understanding of salvation and everything. And because we all came to that same understanding together, we consider ourselves Seventh-day Adventists versus other denominations. It's like, get in line. This is what we believe. Shut up. You know, don't, yeah. don't, and don't not, rock the boat. And, we'll, and not in a bad so way, clear, but, not, but it's, yeah. it's not, it's not like in a bad way. They're just saying like, stop being a dissenting voice. Literally shut up. This is what we believe. Um, I mean, so you have like the, the Methodist vote, right? And a lot of people, a lot of people feel the same way the way the Seventh-day Adventist Church has gone. It's the same way that a lot of my Methodist friends have reacted to uh, the recent vote to not allow uh, homosexual ministers, which is, well, we can't do anything. Like, we're stuck. And I think a lot of people in the Seventh-day Adventist Church felt that way. But to me, I think that's one of the advantages of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is even though we as a group get together and say, ah, we're probably not going to be able to do this. We've also allowed, and while that, those allowances may be headed out, we have created, you know, substations like unions to allow for uh, flexibility in that area to say, all right, this doesn't work for most people, but we need this to work here. Um because that idea of like what we believe is what actually brings us together. That is actually your identity is, is, is found yeah. in your faith in Christ. So yeah, I, I, I think we're, we're at the same place. I think we're just coming at it from yeah. two different angles yeah. saying, you know, this, this is the key and that's the key too, yeah. or something. I don't know. A note, a note on that women's ordination point. I do find this funny. I, I've been recently going back through the history of women's ordination since about the 70s. Uh, and the first vote that we took on it in general session for ordaining women, ordaining women into ministry, like in a gospel ministry, so pastoral work, uh, the, the vote, the official motion on the floor uh, doesn't actually mention really anything biblical. The vote on the floor was basically no because of church unity. That was literally like it was the majority of the world church probably won't like this, so we're not going to, so we're telling the GC to probably vote no on this. And I find that interesting. I do. Um, and that's actually the one reason why I can't, not necessarily that I can't accept those votes, but that I can't see them as final. Um, just so, I just think that's interesting. But um, I think there, there, there's another thing here that we've touched on that for me, I, I've been coming, I've been trying to develop some language for this idea uh, and I don't know that this is the last way that I'd say it, but I think it's one of the ways that I would say it, uh, which is, it's the way that I'm saying it for now, which is that faith is created individually, but it's sustained communally. So the idea behind this is that uh, your faith is is created, right? The, the, the start of your faith is created by an individual experience with you and God. You have an encounter with God and with Christ, and you say, I want to follow you. I believe you. I accept the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. I accept him as my Savior, and I want to follow him. All right, cool. <clears throat> but it's sustained communally, and I think this is this is something that that especially the New Testament carries out uh, significantly, but I think it, it goes all the way from Genesis 1, where everything God makes everything, and the only thing that he says is not good is man when man is alone. And... Uh, so I, I, I think it's carried through, but uh, the way that I always put this is we've, we've individualized the devotional life. We've individualized a prayer life, and we've said uh, the best way to follow God is to open your Bible in the morning and to pray. And while I agree that those two things are great, if I look at the Bible itself and I look at the example of those that followed Jesus uh, right after he left, they weren't walking around carrying 66 scrolls. Half the Bible still wasn't written in Acts quite yet, you know? Like, this is, they, by definition, by default, they could not read the Bible every day. So their devotional life or their expression of faith was communal. It was literally expressed through eating in each other's homes every day, uh, spending days together, sharing their resources and, and, well, and, and, and taking and, care of each other. And they would and read the Bible the every day, every. but together. Yeah. Like, they would, yes. they would open up the scriptures together. It wasn't individual. It was they would go to someone's house and do it as a community yeah. because they and there each was didn't have worship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was yeah. it was essentially it was... corporate worship, right? It wasn't individual devotion. That was that they, while they did have that, it wasn't study. It was it was your spirituality was connected to the greater whole. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's something I think we've lost. But I think if we recapture the heart, I think denominations can be a beautiful thing if we see them as a framework for connecting with people rather than as a framework to divide people. I think that's where the beauty of denominations is. It's in the ways that we can find common ground with other people. Because if I find someone who identifies as Adventist, and I've said this before, I, I, I think that gives me a certain level of expectation I can have when talking with them. That might, depending on your experience with Adventists, <laughs> vary from person to person. But ultimately, I think that that gives us the, the beginning framework or the beginning foundations to be able to have a conversation with someone and to be able to live out that faith communally. It tells me that if, I want, if, I want to, if I've moved to a new area and I'm looking for people who believe similarly to me, then I'm going to go to the local Adventist church first. You know, it, it gives me a starting place for connection. And I think that's the beauty that, that can be found in denominations. That's why I think there's value in it is for that communal aspect of faith that I very much think Western Christianity has lost uh, because of individualism, because of Neoplatoism, because of, of, the, of um, uh, what's the, what's the, the, the um, postmodernism, because of postmodernism, which now I get that we're in like a post-postmodern society. But um, I think this is... I think this is a, a part of our faith that we need to recapture. And I say this as an introvert who also has trouble paying attention to people throughout a conversation, right? I think there's space for community. Even even the introverts, um, like introverts need people too. It's just the way that we interact with people is different. And so I think there's, I don't want to say that the, every single Christian has to have community the same way, not at all, but I think we need to find a way to connect with people and express that faith communally. I'm, I'm with you, man. Um, I recently did, well, it wasn't recently, it was in October, um, but I went and did a, a week of prayer at an Adventist school, and uh, one of the students there, I believe she was a, either a junior or a senior, um, she is a Buddhist, and she'd been to several, uh, she's from Thailand, and she'd been to several um, uh, uh different Adventist schools or not Adventist schools, Christian schools and we're preaching and the theme was kind of what can God do for you. Um, so we're talking about all the different things that God wants for you. Like he wants to change your past. He wants to change your future. He wants to change your uh, attitude. He wants to change your mentality, you know, all that's all this good stuff. And she comes up to me and she says, you know, I've never really heard um, Christianity talked about in this way before. And she goes, I'm a Buddhist, but I study the Bible a lot. And she goes, is is it okay to be a Buddhist and a Christian? And instead of saying yes or no, because now I know several people, several pastors, probably several professors that would have not done what I did and would have answered no, right? It's impossible. I said, all right, well, what are some of the basic precepts of Buddhism? Now, I know I've studied it, but I wanted to hear from her, right? She goes, well, uh, you respect life. Um, you understand community, that we are all part of something greater than ourselves. And, and she went through these various different things. And what I did was I went with her into the Bible, and I found at basically everything she said, I found something in the Bible that connected with that, right? So you had respect for life, right? With the, so you don't kill or anything like that. And so, I, you know, I mean, how many Bible verses are out there? that say that same thing. Right. Um, and so, and so, you know, I found like two, three different verses, you know, old Testament, new Testament talking about respecting life and, and the, you weren't, were meant to be stewards of the earth, you know, at the very beginning, you know, with Adam, I started with that. And then I went to, uh, and, and, and finished with a couple quotes from Jesus. And, and then we went through like all the different things that you went through. I just showed from the Bible. I go, okay, see these points of connection and then I said, what does it mean? What, what do you need to do to be Christian? And she didn't know. She'd never been taught, even though she'd been to, th you know, three or four different Christian schools from elementary uh, uh, age. And so I just went to Acts and I just said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized. I go, that's it. I go, that's literally it. You just have to believe that he is. And I explained that he is God, that he came, that there is something beyond us that keeps us from connecting with God and that he created a bridge to get us there. And her face lit up because no one had been able to show her before how the lifestyle of Buddhism could fit in and she could make room. She didn't have to change 
how she lived her life and the principles she lived with. But she could continue and add on and believe in Jesus Christ, right? And to me, now, I, look, people might disagree with me, right? They might come up afterwards and be like, that was wrong. You should have told her, no, it's only, you know, Jesus Christ or whatever. And I go, but everything I showed her was from the Bible, right? Now, you can interpret it different ways, but that was the point of connection. And I think so many times I've had connections with other Christians like that where rather than find out what keeps us apart, I try to find things that bring us together. I mean, I sat next to literally a priest in training. He was um, a friar, right? Uh, and he was heading to a wedding in Louisiana, and I'm flying to Houston, and um, we're flying back next to each other, and he's reading Hebrew. And so I was like, oh, wow, you're reading Hebrew. I was like, oh, that's so crazy. I, I you know, used to study that. I, I that, you know, it was one of the parts I loved. And he goes, oh, what are you? And I talked to him about being a pastor. And even though he comes from a religion that I would say, or a denomination that is very different from my own understanding, we found points of connection. Um, and that's actually how we ended our conversation was like, you know, we have so much more in common than we do not. Um, it's a wonder, you know, I, I wish we could work together more and focus on that in, in trying to make this world a better place. And in that sense, I think it's important for us to be able to to find those connections and to to use denominations in that way. I mean, to me, I don't know. Like, I think it begs the question, why are there denominations, which historically, you know, we can give that answer, um, and, are, you know, are they inevitable? You know, were they inevitable, these, these yeah. points of difference? Um, and I... You know, I just don't know if I had the answers to that. Well, I think I, I think you touched on something that I, I, I think we have a fundamental sometimes misunderstanding of the gospel in, in understanding that, yes, Jesus Christ transforms us, but not all of us start from the same place. We start from the same place as far as categorically we're sinners, but we don't start from the same place as, as far as an understanding or a way of living, right? Uh, so for your friend or for this girl that you spoke to that was that was Buddhist and asked can I identify as both there are traits in Buddhism that absolutely do line up with uh with scripture and and with following Jesus and so she's already got some of that stuff down then that's not stuff she has to get rid of and that's kind of the thing that that overlap is where she thrives and i think i think us being able to understand that and communicate the gospel within the framework that someone is used to living their life uh, while calling on them to say, hey, yeah, you haven't been doing every single thing wrong, but there, here's the areas where, yeah, you've, you're actually on the right track and the right trajectory, but then here's the other areas where you could grow in and change and transform. And that's something that she would probably discover as she got to know Jesus, right? So th- right, it, yeah, exactly. Her have her exactly. journey. It, it's letting her have her journey. So I think there's value in that. And as far as um, were denominations in- inevitable, I think, I, I don't think because, okay, Maybe my view of denominations, given that I, the way that I communicated it earlier as a framework for understanding each other, uh, I may not see it as a bad thing. I don't see denominations inherently as a bad thing, but I do think they were inevitable. I don't think there was any other way around this. Um, I think even if Jesus himself was walking the, the planet still, uh, I think we would still get denominations. I mean, Especially we would call it with, differently, with, but... yeah. Like I, it, that's the thing. Like it's a denom- denominations are really just different sets of beliefs, uh, with it from the same kind of foundation, and I think that's that is whatever we call it. There's still differences, and I think humanity over the course of centuries and thousands of years, uh, absolutely will end up with uh, disagreements over scripture, disagreements over the way things are done. Uh, I, I think we will, and I think, uh, and I think that's okay. Uh, I think. Uh, I, I, I've asked this question before, and I think we'll come back to this topic another day about just how much can you agree, can you agree or disagree uh, without disagreeing with that someone is actually saved, right? Like how or, 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 or how much can you disagree and someone's salvation isn't called into question? Like I could ask you, hey, you should go read this book by this author. I don't agree with everything he says or she says, but, uh, you know, it's got some really good points in it. And I'm like, uh, but, but like, okay, then the points that we disagree on, clearly they aren't dangerous enough that I wouldn't tell you to avoid the book altogether. So where's the line? Right. But I think, I, I do think denominations were inevitable and I don't think that's a bad thing. 
Um, I think it's a bad thing if we use denominations to attack each other, to hurt each other, and to uh, to use it as a way to divide. But I don't think they're bad in the sense that they do give us community. They tell us who we can go to, and they give us that starting point uh, to sustain our faith, to actually continue growing in the Lord and continue growing and seeing how God is moving within the community. Because if God isn't moving in your life right this second the way that you expect him— Man, there's sometimes some powerful encouragement in seeing that he's active in the life of a friend right now with where they are. There's encouragement to know, like, okay, God's still here and moving even if my faith is weak right now. And I think sometimes it could have the opposite effect, too. But still, I think there is, I think there is value in, in having a like-minded community. And I don't mean like-minded as a way of just finding the people you agree with. I'm saying you're finding the people that you have common ground with as far as the lens that you look at Christ through and experience Christ through. So that's that's kind of my answer to that question. I don't know if you have anything to add there. I mean, not really. Um, I think that inevitable, I think, is a word that infers that at one point we were all 100% together. And I think for a brief shining instant, that was true when it was only a Jewish religion. Um, but the moment they got open it up to outsiders, Gentiles, I think that's when we started to find differences because immediately in the early church, they had what we would refer to as denominations, right? You had the Jewish Christians yeah. and you had the Gentile Christians. And the first time that they have to get together, they have to decide, all right, well, we're going to replace this dude, um, you know, Matthias. And, oh, by the way, we also need deacons uh, because there's a little bit of a problem. Um, we're, we're, we're fine discrimination. And so immediately you, mm. you get into these camps. I think, I think humans just do that. So inevitable, I think, I think it's just, it's, it's an, uh, it's an outstretch of what always was. I mean, there are certain large worldwide religions or denominations that would have you believe that we were always all together. Um, but historically that's just not accurate. Um, there were parts where a huge chunk of it was the same, but even in that huge chunk, uh, there was incredible amounts of difference of opinion. Um, I mean, even the, Protestantism, it's hilarious because Protestantism is where the majority of quote unquote denominations showed up in. They considered themselves to be Catholics. They were like, we're just the real Catholics. You guys I don't know what you're following, but we're the ones that are the true Catholics. Like that's what they consider themselves. Yeah. And it wasn't until much, 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 much later, um, kind of starting with, you know, Henry the eighth, that all of a sudden it was us versus them. And, um, and it was like, Oh no, you guys are Catholic. We're something else. We're something better now. Um, we're not the true church. Like we're, we're, we're something that's completely different. Um, and so that to me, it's just, there's always been, there's always been disagreement. So I, I would just say, yeah, I, I agree with you. I just don't say it's inevitable. I just think it's always been there. We just called it something different. Yeah. And that, yeah. Okay. That's fair. And I think once again, that's we're we're kind of in a weird semantic place too, but I think we're on the same page ideologically here. I would say that we're in the same denomination, but we're just interpreting the data a little bit differently. <laughs> Ah, oh, man, that's that's awesome. Uh, so, hey, a, I think this is a good place to wrap up the conversation. Uh, and listeners, I hope that, you know, this has given you a different framework to have this conversation in or maybe uh, given you some things to consider that you hadn't before. Um, and, uh, hey, we thank you for joining us on this journey. And uh, if you want, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, anywhere that you get your podcasts. You can find us, basically. Uh, if you do follow us on iTunes, leave a review. Up until April 15, we are, uh, we'll enter you into a drawing for uh, an Amazon $50 gift card. So if you are interested in free money and all you have to do is type up some words about a podcast, I don't even care how you rate us. You can rate us a one star and you will still be entered into that drawing. Um, but yes, I mean, we uh, care that, that it's a one star, but we'll take it. Yeah. Like we're like, personally, I care. Uh, but like, if it is a one star, cool. That tells me that may give me it's some indication of where I need to do better. Right. Exactly. Like we will still take it, but it's, it's not that we're like, eh, whatever. Like it, it matters. Yeah, no, it matters. Absolutely. Um, so 
Hey, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash absurdpodcast. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the same. Uh, and thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Hooey! Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.